Hello and welcome to Fearless with Mark and Amber, the intersection of faith, family, and filmmaking. This is a podcast about growing and understanding faith in Christ, raising a family in today's chaotic world, and sharing our journey of being professional filmmakers. Because let's be honest, everybody thinks this is a glamorous life, right? Well, I have a glamorous life. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what your problem is, but I mean, I I sip lattes and drive my Ferrari around. Right? So I'm your co-host, Amber Archer, and joining me today, as usual, is my husband and business partner, Mark. Yeah, my Ferrari is is uh, one-tenth scale. <laughs> it's radio-controlled, but I do drive it around. Right. So we are so glad that you are tuning in today. And for those of you who have been listening since the beginning, thank you. I want to give a big shout out to Sister Angie, who is an early adopter of the show and wants to know more about how we've maintained and been raising our family during a pandemic. Sister Angie, like... Like from Sound of Music, Sister Angie? Honey, Sister Angie. <laughs> How do you solve a problem like Maria? How do you... Not that Sister Angie. Not that Sister Angie. <laughs> I have classic movies on the brain. Right. So that just so happens to lead us into today's episode about not being idle. So when we kind of titled this show, Not Being Idle, uh, you know, I immediately thought of a verse in scripture in Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 11. And it says, we hear that some among you are idle. They are not busy. They are busybodies. <laughs> There's a oh, lot of busybodies. Oh, busybodies. <laughs> Most of them are on Facebook and Twitter these days. <laughs> and in case you're unfamiliar with what a busybody is, it's someone who is a gossip. Uh, there was great commentary from this verse um, that I just have to share before we head into talking about quarantine and downtime. <clears throat> So the quarantine or the uh, the commentary said an idle person who does not work ends up filling his or her time with less than helpful activities like gossip. Rumors and hearsay are tantalizing, exciting to hear and make us feel like insiders, but they tear people down. If you often find your nose in other people's business, you may be underemployed. (laughs) Look for tasks to do for Christ or for your family and get to work. Underemployed. That describes a lot of people. (laughs) I so loved that when I read it this morning. Like y'all need to get something else to do. (laughs) Yeah. So, so what has happened during quarantine? So sister Angie, we are going to answer all of your questions. (laughs) Well, on the family side of things, we have been watching classical music, uh, movies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Love classic movies. So the sound of music was one. Love the sound of music. Mm -hmm. Incidentally, on the sound of music. Incidentally. I have. Oh, no. I have. You'll find that I am full of loads of useless trivia about the process. You guys, please don't turn it off here. Behind the scenes of the world (laughs) of filmmaking. I promise he'll get through it. (laughs) On The Sound of Music, for example, Uh did you know that the movie is actually based on Maria Von Trapp's 1949 memoir entitled The Story of the Von Trapp Family Singers? I did not know that. It's actually based on a true story. And I looked up the book. Yeah. So you can get the Kindle edition on Amazon for about $13.99. If you want a hardcover (laughs) (laughs) of... Maria Von Trapp's book. It is 
currently selling for $847. Whoa! Okay, so we must have a limited edition going on here. <laughs> I didn't realize it was actually based on a true story. No, I didn't either. Um, <clears throat> here's a good one. During the filming of the opening shot of the film uh, of Maria, it was taken from a helicopter. Now, today we would do this with a drone. Uh-huh. Right. But it wasn't that long ago. Drones have not been around for really that long, like a decade or less. And so to do this kind of stuff prior to that, you would have to put a helicopter into your budget. Um, and they're expensive. Uh, so during the, the doing this opening shot, Dame, Dame Julie Andrews relates that although she tried digging her heels into the ground and bracing herself... On every take, she was knocked over by the powerful helicopter downdraft. <laughs> After more than a dozen takes, uh-huh. a dozen takes, she attempted to hand signal to Robert Wise, the director, to have the helicopter make a wider pass, but the response she got was a thumbs up. <laughs> Just keep going. <laughs> Which meant he was finally satisfied with the shot. Oh, good. Um, the role of Maria was originally offered to, any guesses? Um, what are my options? Do I have choices? Um, I don't, I, I, no, I didn't think this through enough okay. to have choices. Okay, so it was ahead. originally offered to Grace Kelly. Oh, yeah. And she turned it down because she had married the Prince of Monaco. Well, great reason. And she was no longer <laughs> I mean, acting. She's now a princess. <laughs> I mean. Princess Grace. Uh, Okay, how long do you think Maria's wedding gown train was? Oh, I don't know. It was it was long. Would it you was say massive. Longer than six feet. I would say yeah. Longer than ten feet. Um, <laughs> maybe fourteen feet wow. long. Wow, <laughs> that had to be so heavy. That is that is pretty ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always like to investigate the actual filmmakers everybody knows about the actors but Uh the filmmakers so the director robert wise who turned the film down several times he really didn't want to do it nobody was really interested in doing musicals at this point right uh so robert wise in addition to doing the sound of music went on to direct star trek the motion picture in 1979 well that's a that's a leap that's a leap. <laughs> Christopher Plummer, uh-huh. who played Mr. Von Trapp, appeared in Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, which I did not know, nor did I care, because that's the one of the worst of the Star Trek well, films, in my humble but correct opinion. It's it's above my pay grade. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But I have gotten, I have actually gotten her to watch uh, some classic science fiction movies with uh-huh. me. So... You've watched Tron. I actually really enjoyed it after the, we watched the newer Disney one. Right. So to in under to in order to understand Tron Legacy, mm-hmm. which is only a couple years old, you have to watch the original Tron, which is nineteen eighty four. Right. And I did enjoy it. I'm you, I, you you enjoyed it. I mean, I love you know. For me, I really love black and white movies. I don't know about <laughs> anybody else, but I think I love the black and white sitcoms and. And we even got the girls to watch like the Munsters. They mm-hmm. really they loved watching the Munsters and um, and the Brady Bunch and the Brady, Bunch. A lot of the Brady Bunch. They really <laughs> like that. Nobody would watch the Black Hole with me. Uh, it's a it's, now we're getting it's, into like Twilight a, Zone kind of, kind of stuff. It's a slower film. It's a classic <laughs> science fiction. But you know, I'm one of those people that I will actually read the novel and then watch the film. 
Right. And I'll pause and explain things, you know, about the characters and the storyline that maybe are not explained in the film. (laughs) Because that's how, that's just how I am. We get commentary throughout the film. These things are important. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm going, "Uh uh-huh, great, dear. Uh Uh Uh-huh. Let's. Let's get back to the movie, shall just, we? <laughs> just, just take me back to Flynn's arcade. That's all I can say. Right. So, and and another thing during quarantine, since Sister Angie, you would like to know, mm-hmm. uh, we've also been potty training on the family side of things. <laughs> Not us, but Katie. <laughs> Katie. <laughs> and I have to say, this is the easiest, they say third time's a charm. I mean, this has been the easiest transition into potty training of all three girls. And it was so exciting, like excite. It's my mom excitement coming through. I was excited last night. We went to the zoo and Caitlin came. She told me she had to go potty. So like Daniel Tiger says, if you got to go potty, potty, stop and go right away. away. So that little jingle goes on around our house frequently throughout the day, just to remind Caitlin that if she needs to go potty, we have to stop and go right away. Mm -hmm. And if you're not familiar, go to Daniel Tiger's neighborhood. It's on PBS Kids, by (laughs) the way. And and my husband can tell you, and what is Daniel Tiger's background? (laughs) Go ahead, dear. I know you're dying. I can see it in your eyes. You're just, oh, wait, I got to tell them a story. Well, in the original uh, Mr. Rogers neighborhood, Daniel Tiger was one of the puppets. Mm -hmm. And so what they've done is they've taken the concept of Mr. Rogers neighborhood. And since Mr. Rogers is no longer with us, Uh now it's Daniel Tiger and it's Daniel Tiger's neighborhood. And it's animated. it's, It's animated and it's all the original characters, basically. Right, Prince Prince Wednesday and King Friday yeah. and yeah, and some new characters, but that it, but it's the same song only with new lyrics, and yeah. so it's it's a it's what they call a reboot. Uh-huh. Or well, a and, you, and and the interesting thing is, like I've I I as a kid, I never got to watch Mister Rogers, mm-hmm. so I wasn't familiar with it, didn't know anything about it, but realized that it was you know he was a a, a very Christian man and mm-hmm. just wanted had a love. And desire to reach children. So, and everybody, I remember just thinking that Mr. Rogers' house was so cool because of trolley. Oh, ding ding! <laughs> because we had a we had a model train set in our basement. So of course, uh-huh. to a kid, the model train coming in and ding ding the little trolley. Yeah. Right. Hello, trolley. So that's sort of the that's the family side of life. Mm-hmm. Business side of life. But uh, wait, but but tell them about. Potty training. No. It, the history of potty training in no. the Archer home. Not in the Archer home. This is, you guys, it's been a journey after because journey. Because it's been fairly simple with Caitlin, but it wasn't so much with the prior daughter. Oh, Hannah. Hannah, who's our middle child. She's now seven. But when she started potty training, she would not go anywhere other than the bathroom at home for whatever reason so and this was for months this went on months. Like, like an entire summer i remember and so going to the grocery store was a challenge going and trying to visit anyone was a challenge i remember one day leaving and going and visiting my sister in Chiribusco, and hannah she had to go potty really bad but she refused refused at all costs. I mean, you've got this kid who's screaming, crying that she needed to go potty and she just wanted to go home to go potty. 
So it's like, what do you do? It's not like you can spank the kid, you know, <laughs> like, let's not make Go this, potty. let's not make this a traumatic event because we literally took her and put her on the toilet at Brandy's and she screamed. You would have thought that we were chopping this kid's hands and feet off. Mm-hmm. It was awful. I remember you calling me and I could hear oh, this, this drama terrible. going on. She refused to go. So we left. We abruptly left our visit and drove home. Mind you, it's like a 40 minute drive. Mm-hmm. And then she came home and sure enough, she went potty. <laughs> so lessons learned. I don't remember when the finally ended, but I don't it was either. just like, oh, this epic wait. battle. Like, we're, we're through this now. <laughs> so anybody else dealing with potty training? I get you. Like, oh, I, <laughs> I get it. Yes. Yeah, so back to the business side of things. That's more fun to talk about. Like, <laughs> um, we, we just we both really love what we do. So naturally, we're passionate about it and we love to work and create. Um, so. We've made major impact investments into our ministry and nonprofit, Fearless Features. During this time of quarantine, we released our documentary film, feature film, Inwood Drive. No big deal. No we big deal. We released a movie. Right? <laughs> and little, and little so and we're really, really excited because we're gearing up for a huge announcement for the film and what's next on the agenda for Fearless Features. So big you, announcement. It's going to be huge. Huge. Believe me. <laughs> so you don't want to miss it. So stay tuned. But we also... Started a podcast. Da, da, da. Hello, here we are. Hence how you're listening to us now. So we just, we really enjoy having the opportunity to connect with all of you. So when you're done listening, make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. And, you know, that helps our ministry and outreach grow to connect with a lot of other people. That's right. We, you can subscribe either on SoundCloud or iTunes. Right. We're on both. Uh-huh. So Mark. Mm-hmm. Also, during this quarantine time, you also finished the companion book to the film, also titled Inwood Drive. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, and I imagine that would that would uh, most likely fit into the category of history, I would imagine. History, yeah. It's, it's, it's very historic, historical, informational, mm-hmm. uh, little, somewhat biographical, mm-hmm. but it's, it is the companion book to the film. There's so much more to the story of Inwood Drive than you can fit into a film. Mm-hmm. And so the book is everything else. Right. And there are some there are some really fascinating stories in the book that, that I wanted to put in the film, but we couldn't. Right. There's just not enough time. So mm-hmm. needless to say, we have not been idle in any way, shape, or form. I mean, who has time for that? <laughs> So why don't you tell everyone about writing the companion book as we're really looking forward to each week taking one chapter at a time and really kind of dissecting those chapters, if you will, so Mm -hmm. that everybody can we can bring everybody into the story because it's a really fascinating story. Yeah, I felt that the it was important, especially with a story like Inwood Drive to to do a companion book, because, like I said, there's so much more information that a film can't possibly contain. I mean, if you put all of the stories and the information in, it's hard to put it all together in a way that makes sense in a, in a cinematic format. Um, and it would be nine hours long. Yeah. So how many, do you remember how many words it was? How many chapter chapters did you end up with? It came out to 16 chapters and Mm -hmm. it's like, I don't know, right around 50,000 words, just under. (laughs) 
I don't know. I've never written a full length book before. So this is a first. <laughs> I just, I just sat down and started, started writing. Uh-huh. And, um, so I, it was... I think we've, we've learned different things that we actually enjoy doing mm-hmm. during this time of quarantine. I mean, I, I myself can say, I really love sitting down and doing podcasts mm-hmm. because I think it's, it's so much more of a conversation that I want to have for people. And that's really our goal is to make it, you know, like coffee and conversation. You come over to our house. This is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to, you know, we can sit and have conversation and talk about things openly and freely and just really just enjoy the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, and you learn know, from each other. Yeah. So the, and I, I like, I like telling the whole story when, when, right. we, when we do something like Inwood. And so, and if you can't tell, he really likes behind the scenes stuff too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Believe me. Huge. Um, so, yeah, so the so we decided we would go like a chapter a week and just kind of yeah. talk through the book. And, and I should add, the book is not out yet. It's no. Not, the book is not released yet. No, not yet. But it's coming. It'll be huge. Yeah. Stay tuned. <laughs> and you guys, if you don't know why he's doing that, he's always talking about the president. Huge. And how he says huge. China. <laughs> Anyway. Moving, moving on to chapter one, <laughs> introduction. Chapter in, introduction. Uh, so the first chapter of the book is just basically why we did the film, right? And kind of how the whole subject of abortion came up on my life radar, if you will. So I didn't really think about it much. I grew up in a Christian home and a good church and uh, Christian school. We we talked about it. A little, but it, when I say it didn't really show up on my life radar, I didn't know anybody who, I didn't know anyone who had gotten pregnant out of wedlock. I didn't, so I didn't know uh, anyone who was dealing with that kind of issue. We knew what it was, but it just, it didn't come up for discussion a lot. Right. So, so there's an excerpt here in, in the book in chapter one that I want to read real fast. Mm -hmm. It says, I'll never forget the first time I verbalized an opinion about abortion. In 1996, at the ripe old age of 22, the presidential election cycle rolled around once more, and I saw Bill Clinton running against Bob Dole. Abortion was hot on the minds of everyone. Like most 20-somethings, I mostly paid attention to myself and my aspirations of the moment, but occasionally would pay mild attention to the news of the day. Of course, abortion was a major part of the daily news cycle leading into the fall of that year, and I found myself discussing it with a friend of mine, who worked in production with me. And it goes on to say, yeah, I started off with my worldly wisdom. I don't think abortion is necessarily right, but who am I to tell a woman what she can and can't do with her own body? You know, I mean, I just want the government to stay out of it, just like I want them to stay out of my life. None of their business. My friend agreed, and we went on with our seemingly pertinent discussion. And that pretty much described my position on abortion at that point in my life. Don't care. Doesn't affect my life. Not my business. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of twenty-two-year-olds can say that. I, th- I think the majority, yeah. of them, and I, I don't think it's necessarily nefarious. No. Um, I, you know, I, I just remember. I mean, part of it was it was the age. Part of it, it was the age that we were in, mm-hmm. in the mid nineties. Um, but I think just because y- y- you don't think about it, and I was I 
I think at the time prided myself on being very libertarian, Mm -hmm. right? Like, like everybody, everybody just, you know, as long as everybody's cool with everybody else, then, you know, (laughs) we're all going to get along fine. And I was just, I was just naive. Yeah. And, uh, and I was self-consumed like most 20 somethings are, I'm afraid. So, um, it didn't, it, it came up again a few years later, a friend of mine that I had met at the Sundance film festival. Um, uh, and she was a travel agent and it, this was, you know, to set up this relationship, we, we became kind of loose friends. Um, she was, she became my travel agent. This was before you could, you know, do your own booking and everything <laughs> right. online. And so you still kind of needed somebody to do those things. And we would have these, uh, you know, these long conversations where she was basically just killing time while at work. Mm -hmm. And one day she told me about how she was going to have an abortion the next week. And this was like a total shock to my worldview. Mm -hmm. I had never met anybody like this. And this was... I think I'd describe it as, you know, the L.A. girl meeting the Indiana boy. Yeah. I mean, it was just like total opposite worldviews clashing. And uh, she basically told me it was her one her ex-boyfriend and they got drunk one night and, um, and she ended up pregnant and she had no interest. She hated him. She didn't want anything to do with him. Mm-hmm. And I just, I remember questioning her, well, why in the world were you even hanging out with him? Mm-hmm. And it it was like, oh, please, you, you don't get out very much. Yeah. And that was, the, uh, I, and, and I didn't understand, I didn't understand, I still don't. Now I've, I've, I've come to understand how that, you know, why people live that way, but I didn't know anybody like that before then. The identity and the struggle. Right. right. And I couldn't, there was nothing I could do or say to convince her otherwise. You know, I didn't really have any kind of pull with her. Mm-hmm. And I remember, I mean, it obviously stuck with me. And so that was the first time that it really came up. She went the next week and had her abortion and we never talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember thinking about it a lot after that. I had never really thought about that. And then it, it came up again. It became very real when, after we were married and we had, um, we had had our first daughter, Elizabeth, Mm -hmm. she was still quite little. And, uh, then we got pregnant again and lost the baby Mm -hmm. and then got pregnant again and lost that baby. Mm -hmm. And talk about that in the in the first chapter of what that experience was like. Yeah. And I, I think you summed it up pretty well. Um, it, you, you say here, it's hard to describe how I felt when we lost that baby or how I felt a few months later when we lost yet another pregnancy. We both started to hold our little Elizabeth just that much tighter at night, truly believing that she was going to be an only child. After losing two babies in a row, it started to make us hesitant to have any hope. Mm-hmm. But I think, I mean, really, there was a lot of there was a lot of grief. There was a lot of mourning that that went on, and and just um, coming to coming to the um, coming to terms that Lord, this is the plan that you have for us. Like, and and I think just standing in and standing on your faith mm-hmm. and um, 
it's it's hard i think for people to uh, you can i can totally understand why someone could go through that and go into a deep depression and think that god's mad at them yeah like why did the lord you know give me hope and then take my baby away and there are people that have dealt with this over and over and over again yeah you know um and that's that's not what the lord says that's that's nowhere is that supported in scripture mm. that that god does that to people just just to be mean right right <laughs> um, yeah it's not punishment no it's not punishment and i i know for myself it was it was hard i remember talking to a friend of mine and i was in back in school at that point i had taken time off of production i was back in school for your and, mechanical engineering degree? Yes. <laughs> that, that you never use. <laughs> that I never use. I have a degree in mechanical engineering technology that I do not use. Um, but I remember telling him, I, it's hard to know how to mourn. Because right. at 10 weeks, you're, you, you, we never even heard a heartbeat for either one. Right. So you didn't hear a heartbeat. It, there was never that real attachment. It was only just this idea that you're going to be a parent again. Right. And I think back to the book, um, you even say in here, those babies that we lost were the same age as a majority of abortions today. And I questioned myself, why were my children worth weeping over and someone else's were not? What made the difference between my 10-week-old unborn child and those nameless women and men that I had thought society and the government should just leave alone. Why was it suddenly wrong? Was it just because now that baby was mine and not someone else's? I was forced to acknowledge to myself that I had been wrong all those years. It is a baby. It is a life. My friend's abortion killed her baby. Our miscarriages killed ours. Both babies, both lives lost. Yeah. So, I mean, that's because that is a majority. I mean, it's hard. There's just a different grief process, I think. Yeah. Yeah, there is. And I think it's one of those, it's one of those unaddressed griefs uh, that I, a lot of people have had that much, a lot of people don't talk about. Yeah, much like um, when we just had the podcast, if, if you guys uh, post-abortive, mm-hmm. it's, it's not talked about. And everybody says, you know, it's a missed opportunity for the church. I encourage you to um, go back through the podcast and find the one with Serena Dykeson. Mm-hmm. And she's post-abortive and has a ministry, an amazing ministry helping post-abortive women um, as they grieve and come to the Lord and walk um, just boldly in faith. Yeah. And it's it's a very similar kind of a grief where you're, you're, right. you're, you're grieving uh, really the loss of a child. You don't, but you know, you don't have a, you don't, I mean, we didn't have you know, a funeral or anything like that. It was, it was just, it was an idea and then it was gone. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and yeah, there is a, there's a, boy, there's a whole other, there's a whole other film, I think for, for that, yeah. <laughs> that subject. But just know if you, if you have dealt with that or you are dealing with that, maybe right now you're not alone mm-hmm. and, uh, it's okay to grieve and it's, it's okay to feel like you don't understand it, but it's, it's not because God is mad at you. It's mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of a lot of reasons why that happens. The Lord did bless us uh, with two more. Yeah, right. <laughs> we did have Hannah. She was, and we we were so grateful for Hannah. Still am, because of course she's. We we thought that we weren't going to have any more. Mm-hmm. She was our little miracle. Mm-hmm. 
And then there, and then along came Katie. And then Caitlin, <laughs> unplanned pregnancy. Unplanned pregnancy. Like, you know what I mean? So getting into that boat and then starting mm-hmm. Inwood Drive just weeks later. I mean, yeah. why? Oh. Yeah. So at the end of that chapter, I talk about, you know, the state of our lives at that point was here we were with uh, three dogs. Mm-hmm. We were still dog people. We had three dogs. <laughs> yes. And... 2.99 kids because <laughs> Caitlin, Caitlin was born nine days, nine or 10 days after we officially started in Wood Drive. Right. Right. So three dogs, three kids, one's a newborn. What could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> well, by the way, you don't have any money to do it either. <laughs> <laughs> but the Lord is faithful. You know, and I always love um, our pastor. I don't, I don't know if I already mentioned this, but he always says the Lord doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. Mm-hmm. And so it was really just an obedience to the Lord that we made this film and would drive and um, it's going to last generations. I mean, it's. I love having a piece of history that's able to be passed on generation after generation to show people you can fight against this and it can be overcome and won. Mm-hmm. Um, just stay faithful and, and prayer. Absolutely. And it's all true. All of Inwood Drive mm-hmm. is true. It's yep. all documented, which is part of why it takes so long. All right. But the book is all everything that we couldn't stuff into the film has overflowed into the book. Right. So So. it's a summary of chapter one. Right. So there you have it, friends. Don't be idle. The Lord has something for all of us to do. You'll be glad you were not idle and took time to read your Bible. It's a great morning. (laughs) What? Great morning. (laughs) Oh, my word. You guys. I have to find that song. We've made it this far. What are you singing? It's, uh, well, it was, I know the Gaithers sang it. Uh, It was... uh, it's a great, uh, great morning. It's a great, great morning. Your first day in heaven when you realize your worrying days are through. <laughs> <laughs> there are mansions left and right, and you're thrilled to every side. And the saints are always smiling, saying, "How do you do?" <laughs> okay, now I gotta go listen to this song. Okay, you guys. Oh my gosh. Well, are you feeling inspired to do more with your time? I would love if you would tag us at Fearless Features in your Facebook stories and let us know how you've been making an impact in your family or community during the time of quarantine. (laughs) So you guys, any step forward is a step forward in the right direction. And if you want to walk this path with us, we'd love to cheer you on. And we love connecting with all of you who want to leave this world a better place than we found it. So we will see you on Facebook and here on the podcast. Don't be idle. Don't be idle. <laughs> Take care, you guys. We've got your mansion ready, so come right in. And then he rang for an angel to act as a guide. Freddy's bringing the time to do it. Learn how to fly. Oh,